I want you to get your Bible, turn to Romans 6. Romans 6. I know that doesn't sound right, but it is. Just going to read a couple verses and then we'll uh, let you be seated. Just going to read a couple verses, if you will, go down to uh, verse 12. Romans 6, and go down to verse 12. That did not come on, did it? There we go. All right, Romans 6 and verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, says Paul to believers, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Dear Father, we thank you. Um, Lord, we thank you for your word. And for your teaching, thank you for our brother Paul and Lord for the book of Romans. We ask that you would help us to understand and be clear, Lord, in the point and the direction that Paul is leading us. Well, thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So... Chapters 6, 7, and 8 have been a, uh, have brought us around to some clear understanding of a few things about believers, about us as believers. And it dawned on me as I was working my way through here that Paul transitioned because, now remember, he's talking to the believers, essentially, in Rome. He's talking to those people in Rome. Of course, he wants it spread a lot wider than that, wants it read wider than that. And uh, <clears throat> because he even says, if I remember right here, um, verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. So again, he's writing to the believers that somewhere between chapter 1 and chapter 8, <clears throat> he transitioned and somewhere in there belief happened okay and now because he's talking about what the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what he's talking about Romans 1 16 says I'm not ashamed and he presents it as his gospel and it 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 caused me to go back and look and while I was going back to to kind of walk through some of the chapters again um, it brought me to another complete understanding which is where we're going to go this morning uh, because Paul is Uh, revealing something about men that believers still struggle with. uh, And it's wise for us to even understand we're in referencing the gospel. And I'll get you there. We'll get there. The verses we read this morning were in that regard. So I want us to look back uh, through history a little bit about man's understanding of himself. Okay, even Christian men in their understanding of themselves. We, We often... We, while maybe not stating this quite this clearly, but we tend to believe that you know, because man has free will, that man is autonomous. And that is not true. It is not true. Nowhere does the Bible say that man is completely governing every action of his own. As a matter of fact, quite clearly, we are told that we are uh, the servant of sin, or we are the servant of Christ. To be the servant of self, you hear what I'm saying? That would be to be the servant of sin. Because someone who is serving self cannot serve Christ. And I, I want to challenge this because it is, it is um, imperative that this is understood when it comes to salvation. It's definitely imperative. Autonomy in man. What does autonomy in man do? Um, 
or even the realization that we're not good at autonomy. Because you realize that every government system that has been put forward is based on the need for autonomy or based on the need for balanced autonomy or for man not to have autonomy. Every government's based on one of those three basic rules. So, and I understand, I'm, I'm going to use general terms here, and I don't want you to, I'm not trying to get into, into politics, but it is historical, okay? We live, we live in a country that was greatly affected by the Word of God and by believing principles, biblical principles, uh, in its foundation. Now, I think there's a, uh, people have said we're a Christian nation. Uh, depending on how you define that, that could be accurate, or completely inaccurate. Okay? Our founding fathers were not all Christians by any stretch, but they were greatly affected by biblical principles. There were some believers, definitely. There were some guys like Thomas Jefferson who were just basically deists, which is not a Christian. Okay? Benjamin Franklin was not a Christian. You read, it, you read his testimony and him and Thomas Jefferson. These men were not Christians. They vaguely believed that God lived. Uh, but I'm telling you, Thomas Jefferson is the author, original author of the Declaration of Independence that was then adjusted by four other men. But I'm telling you, Thomas Jefferson understood some great biblical principles about men in, when they are affected by a deity, when they believe in a deity. Amen? That uh, are all provided by their creator certain inalienable rights. Okay, when you begin to leave the Creator and you, you believe that there is no governing God of some sort and you believe that man is himself the highest thing on the planet, then you create a system where every man believes that he is right in his belief. And by the way, if you believe in evolution, you cannot argue that. If you truly believe in evolution, you cannot argue that every man has a right to believe what he wants to believe because that's just how evolution designed him to be. That's, if, 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 uh, if there's no morality from God, then what is morality? Why we even use the term? There is no morality. If there is no morality, well, it's what we've all accepted as right and wrong amongst ourselves. But what if I don't believe what you think is right and wrong is right and wrong? And you realize we're heading down that pathway right now. You realize every government that gives more autonomy to man descends into anarchy. Over and over and over. And guess what? It's going to happen to the United States. I hate to say that because I'm a citizen here and I want to fight against it for as long as possible. But it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Um, and I, why do I say that? Because uh, history proves it. History proves it. And there has been governments in the past where people have recognized that this autonomy is not good. Perhaps we should submit ourselves to a strong leader who can help maintain, maintain some better semblance of morality, whatever that might be, amongst us as a nation. Now, I'm going to go back to a, a country that uh, is outstanding in our hatred of it, and that's Nazi Germany. But we didn't always hate Nazi Germany. Uh, and the Germans very much loved what happened at the beginning under Adolf Hitler. You realize Adolf Hitler cleaned the streets. There weren't bums and, and ruffians on the street anymore. You could, you could walk down any street in Germany in the middle of the night safely because of the rule that brought Adolf Hitler into power. And what, is, what was Adolf Hitler? You realize that their, their financial status improved under Adolf Hitler. Because they recognized that if we submit ourselves to some extent to this man, he gets rid of all the things about life that we don't like. You hear what I'm saying? And so they were, able, they, they were willing for a while to overlook or even pretend that some things did not exist. For instance, you realize at the beginning that uh, Adolf Hitler introduced concentration camps, camps very, very early in his, in his rule. But initially they weren't for the Jews, it was for the scumbags of Germany. The offscouring. And the average German citizen was willing to put up with 
them going away and eventually the Jews going away, well, he might be odd, he might have his irregularities, but he has provided some sense of peace because they recognize that autonomy was not good. And so they all submitted themselves to one man's autonomy, <laughs> which, guess what, still don't work because you're submitting to man's autonomy. We, as believers in the United States, still struggle with some of that about this whole idea of autonomy. I have my rights. We as, the United States has the I have my rights uh, autonomy. And yes, we have rights. Um, but the problem is we have taken I have my rights to not under the Constitution and Bill of Rights to I can do whatever I blessed well want and you can't do nothing about it. And don't tell me we're not getting there. I'm just, uh, and listen, I, I, I'm, I'm going to caution you in these politically divisive times that you beware attacking anyone on the other side. Because while you might be scared of them and their leadership, they are just as scared of you and your leadership. That's just true. That's how things are right now. And I'm not saying it's good or bad or indifferent or what side I stand on, but what's happening is we have told people so long that you can be autonomous that that's what we're getting. You can do whatever you want. That's what we're getting. You realize on one side, you know, you've got, the, you've, got, you've got protesters on one side who claim to be peaceful and are violent. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but there's also protesters on the other side who claim to be peaceful and are violent. It's happening on both sides because people have been given autonomy for so long that now, I'm telling you, we're, just in my own personal opinion, in the United States, we're probably about that far from submitting ourselves to a change of government that puts us under a strong leader who will clean up the streets. I'm not saying exactly like Germany. I'm just saying that's my own opinion. Uh, I don't know when that'll be or whatever. I'm just saying man has long sought for some or fought around man's autonomy. And I'm telling you what Romans begins to teach us is that man does not have autonomy and he needs to submit himself to Jesus Christ. That's the only place that he is going to find any peace. Now, again, how did we get to Romans chapter 8? This, there is now therefore no condemnation. So I want to go all the way back. I'm going to walk us again through. I know you, it's imperative that you get the whole message of Romans. Okay, It's part of the reason I'm walking over it so much. In chapter 1, chapter 1, Paul tells us, or tells the Romans rather, uh, that he is going to be talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he even says to them in Romans 1, 15-18, So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, the gospel, for in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And we talked about that. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So right off the bat, he's introducing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God, obtained by faith. And then he tells about the opposite, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It's very clear. There's those who have the righteousness of God and those who hold unrighteousness against God. Okay? He very clearly defines those two different categories. Those who have faith, those who by faith have righteousness of God revealed in themselves, and those who God reveals his wrath against because of their unrighteousness. Continuing, chapters 1 through 3, basically, without going back over all that whole thing, tells us that all men are sinners. All men. All men have fallen short of the righteousness of God. No, no man has attained the glory of God through his own ability, okay? Okay. All men are sinners, they all fall short of the mark. Uh, chapter 1, verse 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's calling us rebels, by the way. I don't just know that I'm doing wrong, I have pleasure in the fact that I'm doing wrong. Okay? Chapter 2 addresses again those who think that they're doing God's law better than other men by saying this. Therefore thou art excusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. And everyone knows that to be true. Chapter 3, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. <clears throat> Amen. 
Now, to to be clear, because some of these arguments say, well, I've seen people do some pretty good things. Yeah, but not before God. In the eyes of man, yes. But we're talking about God's righteousness. And we all fall short. We are all created in the image of God. That means occasionally that image peeks through in some of the things that we do for each other. But it does not reach the righteousness of God. Is everybody with me? Romans 3.20. Just to continue that thought. All are under sin. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short, fallen short of the glory of God. In the end of chapter 2, however, Paul begins to address uh, the truth of how men are changed from the unrighteousness to righteousness, with not having the righteousness of God, to obtaining the righteousness of God, okay? Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, he says, For he is not a Jew, those that keep the law, which is one outwardly, I keep all the laws, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So he begins to introduce this fact that one who is a real believer who is going to have the righteousness of God is one who is, he's, he's that way in here. Not outside in his actions where people can praise him and say, what a fine person you are. What a great person you are. No, it's one who's before God, in here before God. God looks down and sees, says, yes, there is something I will take. I believe that's righteousness. He is saying that a fundamental change is required in men. A change that happens not in outward actions, but in inside, inside of a person. We see this also in chapter 3 as as Paul is introducing some of what he's going to build on in the next few chapters. And of course, I'm speaking of how a sinner can be saved or obtain the righteousness of God. Chapter 3, verses 21 through 30. I'm just going to read it for you. If you want to turn back, that's great. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, kind of a stand-in, if you will, to declare His righteousness, for, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance or the patience of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? Which is what law would give. You understand, law would allow us to boast. Well, I'm a better keeper than he is. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified, okay, made legally as if legally completely cleared, not a crime was committed and you were cleared and as if you were said, I'm going to pardon you. It's as if no crime ever committed, was ever committed. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. You hear that? Again, all through that passage, what are we hearing? The righteousness of God is obtained through what? He says, clearly, faith and belief. Listen, listen. This is important. We're talking about eternal stuff here. By faith and by belief. God's righteousness. Which, by the way, is the only way you can access heaven. You understand that? There is no one getting into heaven by anything righteous of themselves. Period. The only access to heaven is by having God's righteousness, because that's the only righteousness that can live in heaven. You get that? Is everybody following me? Okay. So we get that only by one way, by faith or by belief. It's by believing in another's work on our behalf, which is propitiation, if you will. This is now taught in chapter 4 and illustrated in the life of Abraham. Taught and illustrated through the course of life of Abraham. Of course, there's also a mention of David. Chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath were of the glory, but not before God. So what is he saying? It can't be of works. So this automatically takes any religion, any cult, any group that says, if you'll just do these works, you can get to heaven, and makes them false. Immediately. 
It also takes any group that says, well, you can get saved by faith, but to keep it, it has to be by works. That also gets rid of that, because the righteousness of God is required to enter heaven, and that is only through God, through faith and belief, not works. So I can't maintain something that is only by God in the first place. If God's the one starting it, I can't maintain it. It has to be him that also that maintains it. For what saith the scripture, verse 3 says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted, added his account unto him for righteousness. Righteousness was added to his account. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore it is of faith, that it might be by grace. Get what that is, right? Grace is getting something we absolutely do not deserve. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And he very much is clearly saying the father of us, all who believe. This chapter, this verse right here is saying the father of us who believe. Now chapters 9, 10, and 11, we'll get more into national Israel, but this is, this is about the, the children of Abraham because Abraham was, the, was a believer. Okay, chapter 5, so we move from that. Now chapter 5 begins to tell us more about this justification, how it took place, and what it caused. Okay, what? What did this faith that gives us the righteousness, what did it cause? It caused justification. Again, I'll just repeat this real quick. But justification is, is not pardon for sin. And I know we say that often, but that's not what it is. It's not, it's not, it's not going before a judge and him saying, well, you're guilty, but we're not going to charge you. We're going to show mercy. That's not what the word justification means. The word justification means that um, you appear before the court and they completely exonerate you. That's what justification means. Somehow, we are exonerated. Now, that's a problem for us because we know we sinned. That's because it was, well, it's Jesus. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. That's what chapter 5 is for. And he says right in chapter chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of this justification that only happened through Jesus Christ. The only reason we have it is because. Why? Because Jesus was on the cross. He paid the price. He took the condemnation. He took the guilt. He took the punishment for us. He paid the, cro- he paid the price. And if Jesus pays the price, it's paid and it's done completely. Amen. That's, that's just amazing. I don't have time to go there right now. So then, because of the justification, so we believed. We believed in God. God says, okay, I accept that now again. It's not just believing that God exists and Jesus exists. You understand, it's, it's understanding who, what Jesus did on the cross, that chapter 1 is true. I'm in that group. I'm a sinner. And the only way for me to gain God's righteousness was for me to take, take my place with Jesus and say, Lord, I don't deserve it. I need grace. I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus, I am taking Jesus' payment for my sin. So because of that faith, God provides that justification. And with that justification, we are given a marvelous, spectacular gift. Chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says this. Patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I'm telling you, that's an amazing statement. I, I, don't think, I don't even think we truly understand. Sometimes, you know, in our, we are a, we are a Trinitarian church, okay? We, we believe in the Trinity. Absolutely, we believe in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But sometimes in our understanding of the, of the Trinity, we, we kind of draw some lines that really God doesn't even put there. Okay, we make it like, you know, and we talk about it. It's true that the Holy Spirit, um, we call him like, sometimes I've heard him called, you know, he's the silent partner, which is not true, by the way. Absolutely not true. The Holy Spirit is not silent at all. He just doesn't talk about himself. In other words, well, we'll just keep right on rolling. He doesn't make it big about himself. But you realize sometimes in our our urgency to try to divide those things, we forget that uh, who is the Holy Spirit? It's God. It's God. God with man. Let's see. There's a word for that. Emmanuel. Huh. See, we got decorations out here. This is God with us. 
Holy Spirit, this, we, we forget that in the process, this Holy Spirit that now is given to us is God Himself. It's, it's God Himself in the, in the person of Jesus Christ and in the, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Wow! Think about that just a minute. Now listen. All of this was done for a particular result in the life of believers. Okay, because we still live on the planet, right? And we talked about Romans 6, how we got this constant battle. So all of this was done for a particular result in the life of those who, who, who believe, who have understood and have faith. Chapter 5, verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto... Now, do you hear that word, reigned? That means we were under the rule of sin... Even so might grace reign, how? Through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank the Lord. What was the result? That grace might reign through righteousness. You hear that? In us. Hmm. Is everybody, is everybody at least following the steps that we've taken so far? Okay, okay, we'll just make sure. Because of faith we are justified... Because we are justified, we have peace with God. Because of the peace with God, He gave us His Holy Spirit. And of this, of course, is because of God's nature. Man's nature before salvation is what? Sin. What is God's nature in regards to sin? Grace. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's nature is grace. Now, granted... We'll talk about judgment later, but when it comes to man and believers, God's nature is grace. Because of, He wouldn't have sent Jesus Christ if, if it was not true. There would be no Jesus Christ if God's nature was not grace. There would just be... <laughs> I'm starting again. But anyways, man's nature... Listen, because of the Holy Spirit... Listen, listen, listen. Because of the Holy Spirit now living inside of men who are believers... Man's nature now is affected by God's nature. God is righteous. And now the nature of God in that righteousness is living inside of me. Uh, you, you know, you've, I've, you've heard the illustration. I've told it here before. The, uh, the little girl who, who becomes a believer and... And she says so, and she's trying to understand this whole Holy Spirit thing, and 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 you know Jesus and and God. And she says, so you're saying that God lives inside of me now? The preacher says, yes. He says, but didn't you say that God is everywhere? Yes. So if God's bigger than me and He's inside of me, He should just stick out all over. Boy, is that true? Boy, is that true? Listen, uh, listen. God's nature should begin to affect men. Now remember when we talked about chapter 6? When we talked about chapter 6, we, we moved into chapter 6 and we found out what? Sin is not the nature of a believer. This rebellious run to self is absolutely not the nature of a believer. Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then move right on down to verses 6 through 8. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Do you see that again? Serve. Do you hear that again? That, the, the word of dominance, not autonomy. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, <clears throat> there's a side note I wanted to run here, but I'm just going to mention it and then leave it be. Because uh, in this passage, it opens up a little door to eternal things. And I, I, I don't want to spend too much time there, but uh, believers, people who have become believers are now eternal beings. Okay? They are eternal beings who still have a tie to temporal life. Okay? But they should, be live, they should live their life in regards to eternity, 
not to the temporal. But that's, I don't have enough time to spend time there. Don't be controlled by your temporal life. Be controlled by your eternal life, but we have time to go there. So, again, we got the, the general idea. Sin, verse chapter 6, sin should not be the nature of a believer. He should be not ruled by sin. Then, so the natural response, of course, because the Jews were also there in Rome, uh, was to say, okay, well then obviously, if it's not sin, then it must be the law. And chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, we found out that also keeping the law is not the nature of a believer. It's not to be the nature of a believer that he says, well, good, then I just have to do everything just right. Uh, subsection A23, okay, that pleased God because I did subsection. And then, um, uh, no, now I'm going to do this over here. Why? Because at some point, like all men, we blow it. Anyways. Law, keeping the law is also not the nature of the believer. Remember, we'd looked all the way back, was it chapter, I forget, two or three or four, I think it was two or three, where it says, where is boasting then? Because that's what keeping the law would do. Some people would say, bless God, I did better than that other person last Sunday. Well, I'm a better person at church than that person. Well, I'm not going to that church anymore, bless, blah, 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 bless God. Now, granted, there are times when it's right to leave a church. But usually, many times, the reasons people do is because of law. Not because of God. But anyways, let's just roll on. Now, this just allows people to compare themselves against other humans. The rest of chapter 7, remember, went from 7 on, reveals that the purpose of the law is to clearly reveal man as a sinner. Okay? Now, listen, when I make some of these statements, don't all everybody take them personally and think I'm aiming at anybody. Just don't do that, all right? Just, I know sometimes I cover things and people... Well, unless, God, unless God's the one smacking on you to take it personally, so I guess I should be careful there, but anyways. So, the rest of chapter 7 tells us the purpose of the law is to clearly reveal man as what? A rebel. He's a rebel. Romans seven thirteen. Wasn't that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Amen. And that essentially you get the picture. We are incapable of doing right in our flesh. Which is, by the way, what chapters 1 through 3 also said. Incapable of doing right in our own flesh. So Paul then asks, how are we going to be delivered from this? You remember what the end, end of chapter 7 was? It says, man... So even as a believer, here I am, I'm, I can't do right in my own flesh, but I've got this nature of God in me. I'm, I'm a miserable person. How am I going to be delivered from this? And what does the end of chapter 7 say? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you, do you see what Paul's beginning to transition to? I am incapable of doing right myself. I am incapable of being autonomous. I must yield to another. I must yield to another. Now that brings us to the truth of chapter 8. <clears throat> believers are not condemned. Thank the Lord. Jesus was condemned for believers on the cross. And we preached on that a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. I'm just going to say God through Jesus Christ has provided a way for believers to begin to see the nature of God, God's righteousness in their life right now on this planet, in our temporal bodies. How? How? Well, we found it in the first few verses of chapter 8. There's no condemnation. Let me get, let me get over to chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Look what he says. Now, so the context is what? I've, I, I read a few commentators that really had me question on this the last little bit, because they said these first, few, these first few verses are talking about comparing people who are saved to people who are not saved. But I have a problem with that because the very first statement of chapter 8 is, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who which are in Christ Jesus. That can only be believers. So those who are in Christ Jesus, amongst that group who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see that? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Do you see the difference there? He says, I'm, I'm under a new law, and I was under an old law. There was a ruler in my life. It was either sin or death. Rebellion or the law, sin or the law, it's the law of sin and death. 
Now I am under a new law, a new ruler. What ruler is that? The spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, I can't keep the law, not in my heart especially. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law, which is God's, which we are not able to, the law is spiritual and holy, but I am not, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. <laughs> Walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do you see, what, you see what he's saying? I want you to follow all this all the way through. What he's now saying is, we need to submit ourselves to a new ruler. Not if I can say, I got my rights, it don't matter, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Well, that's just blatant sin and rebellion. That's obviously anti-God. But so is anti-God those who are saying, well, I am, hear that, I am going to keep the law, and I'm going to keep it better than anyone else, and I'm going to get God to be happy with me because I am keeping the law. Do you hear what, you hear what there's a lot in there? I, 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 I. And everyone who says they keep the law knows in their own heart that they don't. And that's just as true inside this building, by the way, as it is in the nation of Israel. Well, I'm a believer, and I'm a better believer. Oop, you just now placed yourself under the rule of the law. Did you hear what I'm saying? Well, I think I'm a better Christian. Uh-oh. Well, you know, all you people, all you're talking about is law and legality. I don't need that. I am completely free. I've got liberty. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, did you hear that? I, 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 I. And Paul's trying to tell us on both these things, you're still under the wrong ruler. You're still yielding yourself to the wrong ruler. It's not about my rights, and it's not about my goodness. It is all and completely and only about Jesus Christ. Period. End of story. End of conversation. What is the nature of a believer? It's the nature of God himself. But I'm not God. No, but God lives in you. Now granted, I'm, I'm trying to draw this and Paul is too a little bit, a black and white picture. We could even maybe go over to Philippians and we could go back to chapter 3 where Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended. What is he saying? He says, I know that I have the righteousness of God. And I said, I, but when I look at myself, I say, yeah, I don't got it yet. But can anybody identify with that? Like, I'm trying, but... But what does he say? But I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, God says I have his righteousness. You know, I, press, I, I, I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended. You know, taken into custody. He says, God says I have his righteousness and I look at my life on, the, life on this earth and I'm saying, they don't match up too good. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to yield to God. I'm just going to follow Jesus. Why? Because I tried keeping my rights and that didn't work. And I tried keeping the law and that doesn't work either. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep Jesus. I'm just going to put Jesus at the forefront of my life. I'm going to, I'm going to, do you understand there's a reason? I, I, don't, I don't try to get all believers to, to, to read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible so you can check a mark and at the end of the year say, I read the Bible through and I don't, with some of you guys, I don't, I don't do the, the hope for the next year, you know, my, my desire to do better in the next year, so you can just check a box and say, I read my Bible twice this year, or I read this, or I did this. You know, those are they're good goals, they're good efforts, but the ultimate goal of all these things is to, that I may know Him, Jesus. That I may know Him, Jesus. It, it is completely about, listen, the nature of one who is a believer is the nature of God, which is the Spirit of Christ. It's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God Himself. Look at chapter 5, or chapter 8, verse 5. <coughs> For they that are after the flesh, okay? After the flesh means that their inclinations, they are, they are allowing, they are basically following fleshly inclinations. They are allowing the flesh to be the ruler at the moment. That's what that essentially means. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They care about it. But they that are after the Spirit, they allow the Spirit to rule they, they follow the things of the Spirit. 
For to be carnally minded, to, to do whatever it is I have in my head at the moment, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace to do whatever I think, to whatever it would be that God would want, the nature of God. Well, how do I know that? Numero uno. Numero uno. Now, I'm going to be careful here because we, we, have, we read through that for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. And I want to be very careful about that because there have been, people see that and what they think is they immediately go to mysticism. There's this ooh, ghosty spirit that, that is always through all time kind of just pushing us through life. And I'm just telling you, that's not what that passage, that verse is saying. Now, are there times when the Holy Spirit makes and I don't know how to, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to be mystical, but there are times when I believe that the Holy Spirit does insert himself in such a way that you cannot deny that it had to be God. But I'm just telling you, there have been many, many, many things done awful and evil in this world that are said to be because of the leading of the Spirit of God, which are absolutely anti-biblical. Amen. If, if there is anything in Scripture that is against what you think I've been led by, then you aren't being led by the Spirit of God. Because God will not contradict His Word. He will not. What, what does Jesus say? Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And he was talking about to the Pharisees about the Old Testament, by the way. Because that's what Scripture they have. And we have more. He says, all in the Old Testament, which we call the law. No, it's, it's full of Jesus. In all the New Testament, we say it's grace. That's also full of Jesus, but it's all full of Jesus. We just, what, what? Um, <clears throat> the nature of a believer is to be led by the Spirit of God. It's not about keeping the law. It's not about trying to do everything just perfect. Again, it's, that, it's a relationship. That's, that's why chapter, chapter uh, 7, 6 or 7 says, whereby we, verse, chapter 8, sorry, where, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, verse 15. We call him Papa, Father. Why? Because he's, he's our Father. He's a God. There's a relationship. There's a desire to please. There's a desire. There's a desire to want to. Let me tell you, if there is in you no spirit of God, you're not saved. If there is in you absolutely no, in, listen, listen, this is clear as a bell. Let's just, let's just read it here. Read verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to, gear, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Listen, so if you aren't being if there is no inclination in you whatsoever to serve God, to love God, you're not saved. That's clear as a bell. Absolutely clear as a bell. I don't care what you did in the past. I don't care what church member, what church you're a member of. I don't care how long, how long you've been a member of an evangelical church. I don't care how many prayers you've prayed or how many times you've been to an altar or how much money you've given. If there is in you no inclination of the Spirit of God, you are not saved, and you need to get saved. You need to. That's simple. That's simple. What would the, now, I just tell you, in these chapters, chapter 6, 7, and 8, we've had quite a clear definition of how that looks. You yield yourself to Him, because He's there. Where, where is He at? He's here, and He's here. And these two, these two agree with each other. Are you hearing that? Listen, the Bible and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you agrees with each other. They will always agree with each other. Amen. Always. Now, this takes us back to the words of chapter 6 that we read a little bit this morning. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. The nature of a believer is literally the nature of Christ and it cannot be, it cannot be the nature of self. Period. 
period. But I do live in the self. Yeah, remember we talked about that. Chapter 7, Paul's clear about it. We're, we still live in human flesh, and we are going to have those ups and downs, absolutely. But the nature of a believer, the one thing that we should be striving for and wanting to see in our life more and more is Christ himself. If it's self and what I want and what I think and you can't tell me what to do and I'm going to do whatever I want to do and, well, just as long as nobody sees, it's okay because I'm still going to do, I'm going to do whatever. If it's all about you, then you have, you have shut out the nature of Christ and he cannot move. Listen! You want to be a believer that attracts other believers? Stop being a rebel. I'm sorry. You want to be a believer that attracts lost folks? Stop being a rebel. Is everybody with me? <clears throat> now I'm going to tell you, there's questions some of you all have in your head, and we're not going to get to those till chapter 13 and 14. So hang in, for those of you who are thinking. A sinner does whatever he wants, giving himself up to his lusts. A lawkeeper chooses to compare himself with others and try to make himself righteous by being better than, un- than others while clearly still being incapable of being righteous. The nature of a believer is that he or she gives up their own rights and desires. They give up their own rights and their own desires to do or to get whatever their own will or rights are. Amen. Both of these... The sinner and the lawkeeper are just man choosing to do what he thinks is best. There's still man being the ruler of his own life. The nature of a believer is giving up his right to rule to another. To Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. Man cannot obtain, live, or show the righteousness of God to lost people. It's impossible for man to do it. Only God can live God's righteousness, and he wants to do it inside of you, but you can help or hinder him. Amen. Man on his own is a rebel, but man in submission to God by allowing the Holy, is by allowing the Holy Spirit to live through him. The nature of a believer is submission to God. Not law, but submission. I place myself now under Jesus Christ. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body... You shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So let me ask you some questions. Are you full of my rights? Are you full of, well, I am what I am because of what happened to me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you full of, well, it's not my fault, it's that person's fault. I'm, I'm affected by that person. That's just, I am who I am. Are you full of what I want? Are you full of, I don't have to do that. Or, I'm fine. I mean, look at them. I could be a lot worse. Or, why do I have to do that? Or, why can't I do that? Or, I don't care what people think. That's just who I am. Or, I know other people think it's wrong, but I don't care. (laughs) No. All that is no. A believer should be characterized generally in his life by this. It matters not what I want. I think, was it? I think Jesus said it the best, actually. In the Garden of Gethsemane. When he said, not my will, but thine be done. It doesn't matter. And this is a hard, I'm just telling you, this is, I'm saying stuff that I don't like to hear. It does not matter what my flesh thinks it needs, or what my flesh demands, or what my flesh expects, or what my flesh says should never change, should always be. It matters how the Spirit leads. It matters that the Spirit of Christ should shine through me. Let's see, what does Philippians say? Let this mind be in you, which was also in 
Christ Jesus. But we could go to a lot of places there. I would just encourage you, go read Philippians chapters 3 and 4, especially chapter 4 with this in mind. What is the nature of a believer? The nature of a believer is Christ himself. There's no other answer. It is Christ himself. You know what? It's amazing to me when, when I see amongst you Christ move and be a blessing to another or Christ move and watch a, watch a group of people in a building turn into a worship service or Christ move and watch you be a blessing to me. I'm not just using just me as a reference point. But you know what's real obvious for all of us? Because we're all the same. We all have what we want. That's kind of obvious. We even talk about it, don't we? Does anybody here in here not know what my latest vehicle craze is? <laughs> That's just flesh. Maybe God will provide that, maybe he won't. But it doesn't really matter, truthfully. It doesn't matter. What if I never get it? God's mad at me. Really? Because I didn't get what I want. God's mad at me. Oh, who's on the throne now? Doesn't sound like Christ. You hear what I'm saying? In every decision that you make today, tomorrow, the rest of the week, you have a choice to do it. I want or to submit myself to Christ. Say, hmm, how can I please the Lord? How can I give glory to God? How can I deflect to God in this situation? Praise the Lord. And we're going to find out more. We're going to get, we're going to get more. But I'm telling you, what, you know what you need? I'm just telling you, you know what you need? You can live your whole life and uh, try to please yourself and get for yourself and do for yourself, and you're, you're going to end up in misery and chaos. Period. But the moment you submit yourself to Christ, you will find what peace means. And by the way, that's a, it is a feeling. The peace that passes all understanding, I've been debating that back and forth. But I think that's, I'm telling you, I, I can say now at some point that I have experienced it. It's a peace I can't explain, but I have. I'm just telling you again, just from, my own, from looking at my own heart and my own mind and where I'm standing today, the only reason I'm in a pulpit to, at this point, still at this church with this family and my wife, is because of God and God alone. That's it. It has nothing to do with me. It's God and God alone. That's peace that passes the whole understanding. You don't have that peace, never have had that peace, I'm telling you, you're probably not saved. You need to understand truly salvation and get saved. Amen. Become a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. What is your life characterized by? What is, if someone's looking at your life, they'd say, yep, his character is defined by the nature of what? Dear Father, Lord, I know for any thinking believer,